Hello, I'm Carrie Gard, and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Summer has arrived. Hope you all in the U.S. had an awesome fourth and business is slowing down a bit for you to get outside and play. Anyway, here we are, season 12, three full years of Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leader podcast. Thank you all so much for your support, whether you've been a guest listener or supporting us in the background. I appreciate all of you. What a ride. We've had some amazing guests over the last 96 episodes, and I'm stoked to introduce this season. It's quite the eclectic bunch, which is perfect for summer. While you're gearing up for Q4, hopefully you find some new inspiration in this season. I know I did. It was so many great conversations in here and new ideas. It just had a great summer vibe. Up first is Luke Richardson. Luke is interesting because it's not every day run into someone who has built an entire internal team dedicated to SEO. Content, yes. Front-end web development, yes. But to be thinking with an SEO lens in regards to everything they do around marketing, I haven't heard of that yet. And so this was an awesome conversation where Luke talked me through how he did it, the position he found himself in to make it happen, and most importantly, the payoff he's been experiencing because of it. Luke is a web subject matter expert with nine years of experience working in SEO and conversion rate optimization. In his current role, he leads a team of five and oversees SEO, web analytics, and web development for a rapid growth uh, cybersecurity unicorn. In his free time, Luke enjoys spending time with his fiance, playing chess, and learning about wine. Here is my conversation with Luke. Thank you for joining me on Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Hi, Carrie. Happy to be here. Excited to have you. Before we jump in, why don't you tell our listeners, Luke, what do you do and how did you get there? Sure. So I am the director of web at Panther, which is a fast-growing cybersecurity unicorn. Um, And what I do, essentially, I, I run the web function, which sits within marketing, but essentially handles all things web, you know, web development, strategy, SEO, analytics, everything you can imagine. So fairly technical team, even though we report into marketing. How I got there, um, I actually studied marketing as my undergrad. And while I was doing, uh, while I was in college, I did a number of internships and sort of junior consulting work um, to get experience and found myself really gravitating towards the science side of marketing, more of the, you know, analyzing data, strategizing about tests you could run. And and a huge, at the time, this was uh, almost 10 years ago, SEO was sort of a new hot thing, kind of mysterious. You you heard about it a lot and clients were always asking for it, but it was was extremely poorly understood. Um, It was this total black box. And so, yeah, I gravitated towards it. It just seemed like that's where the market was heading in terms of what I often heard clients or, you know, colleagues talking about or asking about. So I started digging into it then. And quickly, I just kind of became the SEO guy. That was sort of what I was known for. And even even though initially, I probably shouldn't have been known for it because I didn't know that much about it. But so yeah, so I've been an SEO for uh, almost 10 years now. And just been kind of worked in different fields along the way. And SEO brings lots of other web related skills along with it. So that's what's led to my now kind of broader scope as a a web person, you know, web team leader, as opposed to just an SEO leader. 
Um, couple questions for you because you said some interesting things there. Um, unicorn? What do you mean by what do you mean by unicorn? Oh, sorry. Yeah, unicorn meaning a um, billion dollar valuated company or above. I think I don't oh, know. Maybe okay. that's not. Maybe I'm yeah. throwing around some some states nomenclature there. Yeah, just making sure we're like on the same page. We're not talking about the actual flying <laughs> <Yeah>. unicorn. <laughs> yeah, billion dollar company. Cool. Um, and then the other thing you said that I thought was interesting was you actually went to school for marketing, which is, I find, especially it, it being the elder millennials that we are, uh, unusual. Uh, it mm -hmm. wasn't really like a thing. I think it is more now. I mean, my cousin's actually studying marketing, but she's mm -hmm. studying media planning, which is mind boggling to me. But for us, I feel like it was, it, it wasn't really a well-known sort of degree. So mm -hmm. why marketing? Um, I don't have an exciting answer. Honestly, it was the most pragmatic program available from my point of view when I was, um, I actually joined, so I went to Emerson and I actually went into Emerson in a film program. Um, mm -hmm. and I only, I only lasted in that film program about four months before pivoting to marketing. Cause I was just like freaked out by the, uh, lack of a, um, <laughs> uh, you know, pragmatic career outcome there. So I literally looked at the programs available across the school and marketing communications just seemed like the clear <laughs> smart move. I don't know. So I can't, yeah. yeah, I can't really give you a better answer than that. It just seemed, you know, that's like, was a safe pick. Well, I feel like going from, so I'm a photography major um, mm. from Drexel. So I feel like it, there is some alignment there in terms of like mm -hmm. film and marketing and, um, photography and marketing so I can see the leap it's not more path. Of a leap yeah no it's a total yep. path mm -hmm. um and to already be at a place at a school and to be able to stay there and sort of just shift makes a ton of sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah very cool what's one challenge you're currently facing right now Luke that's something that's keeping up you up or night or something you're having a hard time sort of putting your finger on and yeah um I think what I would say there is it can be really challenging to do a good job of evangelizing across an entire company what a web team is doing, um, because so much of what we do is, is you know, mystified and uh, technical and jargon rich. Um, so my my job, really, I, part of what I see my job is is being able to, you know, constantly evangelize, not just the SEO stuff we're doing, but, you know, if we're doing some cool thing that's going to make our website faster or more secure, or if there's some big code upgrade we have to do, that's going to take all kinds of time and it's worth it, but it's not going to seem worth it. Uh, when we tell people that we're prioritizing it over some trivial landing page request or something like that. So uh, <laughs> where I struggle is, you know, I'm constantly trying to hold myself to a higher standard of like, does the average person at Panther know what the web team does and do they have a sense of like what our mandate is and, and that kind of thing. I think that can be, that can be tough. I think you really do have to commit there, commit time to constantly be like evangelist. What is, what do the terms mean? What, do, you know, what do we mean if we say like technical SEO or web and web attribution, you know, what do these things mean and how, who's actually doing the work and that kind of thing. So I, I think that's, yeah, one of my main challenges. Is that because people don't see the value in it? Is that because there, there aren't clear outcomes? Why, why do you feel like there's this mm. hurdle? Part of it 
might be that it's, it's sort of like when, so I'm, I'm in the B2B space, but maybe a good parallel is like someone who works in some sort of B2C, like customer, anything really is always struggling because everyone's a consumer, right? It, it's hard because everyone has this like bias of, oh, I know how, what it means, right? Well, it's the same problem with web, right? Everyone has some context of what a website does. And so a lot of times we get these kind of funny, not funny, we get these requests or questions because people are thinking about the website like more of a uh, brochure. It's kind of like, oh, why don't we have more pages up? Or, you know, are we, you know what I mean? So like they, they may be, um, you know, they may be wondering, oh yeah, I've, I've only seen a couple pages, new pages built this month. Does that mean the web team isn't doing anything, right? It's like helping uh, get, you know, train some people out of bad habits. And then there are other people that maybe have extremely advanced understanding of, of web and are wondering, you know, looking for more technical specific answers. So, um, so I guess a, it's sort of balancing the different context levels of a, of a broad organization across all departments um, and then finding a way to, um, you know, up, again, evangelize what we're doing without offending some people and confusing other people. Yeah. It's just that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Total balancing act for sure. Um, and level and people, I like what you said too, around people's level of understanding, like you, it is a variety. So how do you speak? You don't want to speak to the middle, right? You'll speak to each person and where they sit, but you also don't mm-hmm. want inclusivity, all of that fun jazz. Yeah, no, it's tough for sure. It's tough for sure. And you're in a unique position transitioning us here into our, into the, the heart of our conversation. You're in a unique position too, because it's sort of unusual to have not, not a web team, that's standard, but a technical SEO implementation on your side as well. I mean, that's speaking as an agency, I mean, that's generally outsourced, but you're in this really interesting position. So tell us, like, obviously you have an SEO background and you're able to build the web team around that. Is it really building the web team around SEO or is it just so happens that you also bring SEO to the table? What's sort of the dynamic there? Yeah. Um, I would say SEO is probably at the core of the team and the team's focus because, you know, and yeah, I mean, you could make the argument, right. That like, if you were to say SEO is essentially about optimizing a website to make Google happy. And then if you took it a step back and said, Google's whole point of all the rules and criteria and ranking everything they do is about user experience, right? Their whole thing is like, we want to only serve stuff in our search index that's extremely high quality. Like you could then even take it further step and be like, isn't SEO sort of just like optimizing for a good web, regardless of whether it ranks or not. Like, um, you know, so with that in mind, um, you know, I, as you mentioned, I'm a, uh, I have an SEO background. I'll, I'll also add that the the VP that I work under is extremely educated when it comes to SEO. Uh, she's, you know, always prioritized it and has always had very advanced folks running that for her. So she's one of the more advanced uh, executives you'll talk to about, about the subject. So with that in mind, um, yeah, I think we're very SEO kind of bullish in terms of everything we do. Um, so I'd say everyone on my team, even the folks that are purely developers can speak to SEO at a pretty advanced level, not, you know, well, maybe not a, a practitioner level, but they, you know, like, for example, one of my lead developer can very easily edit and update schema markup stuff because he's just used, not, not that that would be hard for a general developer, like they'll know how to write 
uh, JSON or microdata, no question, but he's like familiar with the different, um, you know, categorization, or he'd be familiar with like FAQ markup, for example, off the top of his head, which I would say is probably a little unusual, probably most developers, you'd have to like point them at the documentation, and then they'd be able to sure. do it. So he's just familiar with it, because because we do core a lot of what we're doing. And, and you know, our team is actually held to KPIs around driving non-paid traffic. I do hold the web team um, to those uh, impact KPIs. So I think all of that combined, right? If you, mm -hmm. the incentives we have of the team, yeah, certainly there's a, there's a driving force there for everyone to be at least somewhat educated about how we can go make sure we're, you know, uh, showing our, you know, our visibility is as high as, as it can be in, in search. Said a couple of really interesting things there. One of the things you said that it sounds like you actually hire people who have some SEO experience. I mean, I, I find that it's sometimes hard to convince developers that like we need something as simple as schema and no, they feel like it's busy worker, it's in their way. So the fact that you've actually, it sounds like you've sort of built your team around this concept of having SEO at the core of what you do. Is that is, hmm. is that a good assumption? Um, well, so one of the main guys that, you know, my, my main developer lead right now, I hired him actually in a past job three years ago. And then I brought him with me to this job. I, uh, you know, poached him when I, when I left my last company. Um, but, so I had to think back to when I actually initially hired him. When I initially hired him, no, he didn't talk about having any SEO experience at that time. Um, he just, in working with me and obviously fielding the types of, requests and projects and strategy that I lead has gotten really advanced over a short, it, it, I would say this, it's not hard for a sharp developer to become a sharp technical SEO, right? The fundamentals are totally there. Yeah. It's just about focusing in on, like we said, like some schema stuff or focusing in on like using lighthouse audits within dev tools, right? They, they probably Done, done an audit in DevTools now, you know, a million times. They may have not used Lighthouse little like API thing. And once they use it once, they're like, oh yeah, this is super easy. So uh, for him, he's gotten the reps working with me and now he's extremely advanced in SEO, but it wasn't like when I interviewed him, I required that. I, I As long as, I, you know, I, I always hire curiosity first. So um, as long as the curiosity is there along with hard skills, people will probably like SEO because it's a very interesting subject. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It is a unique position. So what made you and your team decide to have SEO in-house um, and put so much emphasis on it? I mean, we all know the importance of it, but is there enough work for you and your team to be like so dedicated to it? Or is SEO just an element of the bigger web work that you do? Um, no, I mean, it is a full-time role. I, I, I was doing a mapping exercise recently with my team in terms of who owns which lane. And we definitely all agreed that we need one person to quote unquote own SEO on the team in terms of driving the proactive content side, content and, um, expansion side of SEO, and then also just managing general technical stuff. We need sort of an owner there, even if we all have some experience. Um, I guess it depends. I mean, so being in B2B, especially being in cybersecurity, I mean, SEO is absolutely crucial. It's an extremely good, it's a very good fit. Um, but maybe what I would say to, to caveat this, so people don't think that I'm just like totally drank the Kool-Aid. I think that SEO is the only thing you should do. I will say um, for big brands that have a different go-to-market, like if you're a big consumer brand that is already well-known, um, 
it may not make sense to have a full-time SEO, right? Like you, you may be really just worrying about stuff like is our site website being indexed correctly? And like, are we checking the right boxes and stuff like that? But you may not have a genuine plan need to go build lots of pages and obsess about which keywords you're ranking for. Cause it may be like, Hey, look, you know, 90% of our business is branded or refer whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm mindful of that. It, it, it has its place. Right. Um, but for certain markets like ours, absolutely. I do think um, if you can hire a great person and find really good talent, it does. The work is there. I have, I have no trouble finding work. <laughs> we have plenty of work on the SEO side. And it's, it sounds like it's not just because something you said earlier around SEO seems to be at the heart of what you all do, but it's not, it's not about ranking for SEO. It's about, correct me if I'm wrong from, and I'm ta- I feel like I'm taking your words. So feel free to be like, sure. correct me. Um, but it sounds like it's really just about building a great, Google really wants you to just build a great user experience. And then it happens to rank well, because you did that. Is, is that what you were saying yeah. earlier? Exactly. I guess what I'm saying is if, because the initial question you would ask is sort of like, are you making all these functions have SEO in mind or do they all sort of live and breathe off of core, um, you know, fundamental concepts and values? And I would say that more like user experience um, origin of what Google's trying to do, like that can work as a central pillar, right? Like the way you write your JavaScript with your web attribution in mind, you could be in theory be thinking about page load and just kind of the efficacy there in addition to like, are we passing on the right data the right way and mapping UTMs and blah, blah, blah. Like you can always kind of come back to like, yes, let's do it that way. But can we also make sure we did things with best practices in mind? So that's more of like a pillar. Obviously we're not, we're not holding our, you know, to, to piggyback on that example, we're not saying, oh, does our web attribution JavaScript help us rank for keyword? It's like, no, that those things don't map together well. Um, but yeah, I do always try to keep those in mind. Um, but of course, you know, we definitely do things. Uh, we have priorities that have nothing to do with SEO, right? Like sometimes we just have to stand up a page and it's like a PDF or something for sales, right? And we have to right. stand that up. Like, that's fine. That's just like enabling sales and marketing. That's part of our mandate as well. So it's not like everything we do could ever be tied back to SEO. But I think there are some pillars there you can kind of centralize upon. For sure. And so what are your primary, I mean, Obviously, this is so important that you've built a team internally around it. So what are your what are you being held to in terms of success? For the web team? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one right now, uh, a big KPI we're held to is non-branded organic traffic. We've found that's a really nice, clean number um, that, of course, levelizes out the noise of branded search, which of course, many of uh, those who have worked in SEO before will know that if you marry yourself to a number that includes branded search, when your number is great and it's because brand search was up, then you'll take credit for it. And when your number is terrible, but it's because branded search was down, you'll be like, well, I can't control that. It's branded search. So uh, the way we handle that is just like, we only report on non-branded and if branded's going up and down, we just tell people about it just for like PR's benefit, I guess. But yeah, so we, we are held to that. We have, you know, we have numbers we're trying to hit there. Um, and then there's sort of additional goals around uh, leads generated by uh, organic search. We care about that as well. Um, and then finally, just there's a general visit to lead conversion rate that I generally target. And that's crucial when I think about like our A-B testing program. 
is, you know, that's sort of the two motions, right? Get, get them onto the site, ideally through non-paid means and then convert them once they're on the site. And so I think of those as sort of like SEO is the first part, AB testing is the second, sort of, I mean, they're sort of your two testing motions to be improving those two KPIs. But those are three KPIs in particular that my team is required to like set um, goals and commitments towards and that we're held uh, accountable to on a quarterly basis from a KPI perspective. Do you find that I mean, I don't know if you can measure this or not, but I mean, in terms of the bottom line of like what you're trying to accomplish is, is SEO making an impact from a revenue standpoint, or is that, is this really focused on top of the funnel? What sort of like, it, I mean, all your metrics are very sort of top mid of the funnel. Is that by design or, and then ROI's happenstance, what sort of your feeling when it comes yeah. to your own revenue? So what I can say there, a few things. Um, we are a young company, so we do not have full funnel attribution yet. I do think we'll get there. Um, but there is, you know, we, we have a three to six month longer sales cycle here at, in the cyber world. Um, so we're getting there. It just takes a lot of uh, a lot of advanced stuff on the Salesforce side, which we're still kind of building. But what I can say is, um, and I have to be mindful of like not saying anything I'm not allowed to say, but uh, I'll say I worked at a, a place before this that was the exact same audience. And we, that, that business was much further along than we are now. So we did have that level of attribution and some of the um, basically revenue sourced by channel data we had there was extremely interesting. I can tell you that uh, we were seeing over a third of our uh, marketing sourced revenue was coming from organic search. We were able to get to that number at a former place. So that is super interesting. And yeah. I know that that precedent exists. Um, it is very hard though, in the B2B space to get your attribution model to that level of fidelity. So we're moving it towards that. Wild. Takes a while. Right. So I can't answer that honestly today. Um, I'm but, not even sure if I'd be allowed to, but, but yeah, but the, the precedent there. there. Right. But the, yeah. it mm -hmm. sounds like the plan is, yeah, eventually that would be lovely. It's just that right now where you are, yes. it's, exactly. you start somewhere. Um, exactly. and I, I've seen it too, where we have clients who uh, SEO is now over a third worth of their, of their revenue. Like it is possible, but it has taken years to get yes. there. So mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, cool. Just making sure like, Hey, here's what I've seen. How, what have you seen? Like, yeah, right. SEO it's not going to be 90%. Against, yeah. And, and mm -hmm. SEO can impact. I mean, the beauty of it, right, is that at the end of the day, it's sort of this revenue generator where you, you put my, you have to put money in terms of resources up front, like you're doing right now, and you're, you're create, but it compounds over time. And so eventually right. it'll be making money for you while you sleep. <laughs> but it just takes yes. time to get there. Right. And foundation and best practices, all of the things. Um, Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so that's great that you your team is is situated to do this. In terms of you, you've talked, you've spoken a lot about technical. You've talked a lot about like setting some pages up here and there. What's your take on content? I mean, I I find from like a resources standpoint, content and SEO content's a huge need, but it's also sort of really hard because you need a lot of resources to make it happen. What's, 
what's sort of happening for you on that side of things is is content a priority and if so like is that your team is that another team what how does that sort of fit into the um architecture of your organization and the priority mm -hmm. yeah actually I, I have a a good answer for this um i have found it can be a very this can be a very effective talking point when when speaking to like marketing higher ups is i often like to talk about jurisdictional content um you'll often find is that people always want to do the two kill two birds with one stone approach with content right it's like oh let's have it ranked for this keyword and let's keep thought leadership in mind too and by the way could we use it for paid social or something and that just doesn't work um but you have to have the experience to tell them confidently and show them that it doesn't work again um it's all going to come back to it's really great if you're working under an executive who gets it. Um, I'm lucky to be in that situation now. Uh, my boss totally gets it and trusts me when I, when I say these things. So that is all to say, I have a writer who basically only does SEO focused content for me. Um, he's a contract writer that is, for all intents and purposes comes out of my budget. You know, our budget stuff is kind of weird here, but uh, but it comes out of the web budget essentially. And um, yeah, so when I joined, he was one of the first hires. I mean, he's, he's a contractor, so he's not really a hire, but one of the first resources I brought on was this writer that I've worked with in the past and he happens to be specialized in cybersecurity. Um, so yes, and I've groomed that relationship for many years. He really gets it now. He understands the process. He understands how to kind of write in a human way with a keyword in mind, like gets all that. So um, that's the way I recommend doing this and I've, i think i've already kind of outlined the way not to do it is like having a shared content resource and trying to squeeze a little bit out of this or let's let's optimize the header of this you know blog someone already wrote about something it's just like no like either let's agree up front that we're going to jurisdictionally allocate this for seo purposes or let's not but don't <laughs> if it's just not worth your time to sort of half-ass it so yeah so it sounds like you want you would have not different writers necessarily, but you do want to allocate the way certain content serves a certain purpose. Yes. So precisely uh, leadership content isn't necessarily there to rank for all of the keywords and all of the land. It is there oh. to be meaningful around how you move people through the journey of whatever it is you're trying to like change their mind on something essentially, right? That's what that leadership is sort of supposed to do versus something more bottom of the funnel, like how to actionable thing. Is that a good example of like content serving a purpose and why one might be SEO and one might not be? Yeah, I, I, I agree with the way you characterize it. Um, I think I would, I would add, um, you know, thought leadership content, uh, I always think of the word pithy, like you want the header to be fun and, and you know, weird and, you know, kind of a grab uh, phrase. And, and the people that are going to be writing that content are going to be so not real, like in the same room as the SEO people, like they're going to have some brand new way of positioning the brand or that product or that whatever that day, right? Oh, let's try this out. Or let's, this is really resonating, whatever. And that just will never align or not, not never, but that will rarely align with your search intent, right? Um, I've seen it time and time again, oftentimes the kind of market categorization or the way users are looking for a thing 
it's funny if you take that to a uh, CEO or maybe not even a CEO, like a product manager, they'll look at it and be like, what? Like, that's how they're oh, like, that's so boring. Like, you know, we want to call it this. Like, this is the fun way, new way. And it's sort of like, cool, those are two completely different worlds and they do not align. So we're going to have to do two different content vehicles. Like we can do the fun thing with the fun header, but that's not what people are looking for. So uh, what do you want me to do? I can't put two different H1s on the page. <laughs> so let's do two, two different content helpful. vehicles. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I do think thought leadership content is really powerful in that mm -hmm. it, does, it, it, it does hook people. It does bring them in. It does definitely generate traffic from a, if you, it, it's a less of it, SEO is more, if you build it, they will come, right? Because you are all, you're building towards something they're already looking for. And sure. Mm -hmm. to be there versus trying to create right. um, something that you want to catch people's attention and then bring them in that way. So both of them are going right. to ultimately do the same thing. They're just going to do it in two totally different ways. And I, be I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but thought leadership content, when you're, sh you're, you share both of them. I think you can definitely share both of them across social, across your Sure, you can, yes. Whatever. Um, thought leadership might get picked up more and so so sort of building backlinks to the site and building totally there's still there's still an seo link there it's just again mm -hmm. the way that you write it you you write one from an seo perspective of keywords and wanting to rank and if you build it where they will come versus pit, being pithy being creative being and drawing people in but there's they're both still help seo just from two totally I, yeah different. I think you hit the nail on the head. I what you verbatim said, I have verbatim said to PR firms when I'm trying to explain how they can help me. They often think, should I take the report that I'm working on and rename it with that keyword? And I'm like, no, don't do that. Because <laughs> we'll have a that's the wrong vehicle oh, for that. No. But but I'm like, but do uh, do talk to me about what you're gonna be linking to internally in that report, because you're probably gonna get more link coverage than I will with the type of content I'm producing. So yes, let's definitely work together. So yeah, totally agree. PR, yeah, PR is a great example of like thought leadership and how that can help with SEO from a backend standpoint and link building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. These uh, SEO is connected to everything, right? I mean, at the end of the day, like it, it's at everything you're saying, it's at the middle of it all. It's just a yep. matter of, um, you know, using each thing for the right, for the right thing. Um, so let's talk about your team for a second, because again, I think this is really interesting that your, your company's actually built a web team sort of around this. So there's you who's driving sort of the overall vision. You got a writer, which is from an SEO kind of standpoint, you got a developer. Is it the three of you? No, it team has grown quite quickly. Uh, we are a team. Well, so if I, you know, I've got salaried full-time and you've got contractors. So I, I like to say it's a team of five, which is the, the salaried folks. And then we've got contractors, but to put it simply, there's essentially a dev arm, which is a team of two, soon to be a team of three. We're about to uh, make a new hire there. So that's growing. Um, and two in-house, one contractor, uh, contract developer. Then we have a, um, an analytics lead that we recently hired um, that I like to think of as like our data fidelity lead on the website. There's just so much work to be on there. Um, we have our, yeah, we have our SEO lead, who's someone I hired a couple months ago, who's sort of uh, been taking out a lot of stuff, but we, he and I recently agreed that SEO should just be his 
his ownership lane because that's what he knows best anyways, and we need it. Um, and I think I just saw line – right, and then we've got the writer I mentioned um, who's contractor. Uh, and then, sorry, and then lastly, we have a web product manager, yeah, who's also a salary member um, who – yeah, sort of the, I call on the web product manager. I mean, basically in charge of all like intake and sprint planning and release, just everything that's going on, orchestration of the whole function, um, which is a really critical role that, uh, yeah, I'm really glad we have. I think that was the second hire I made after I joined. So yeah, that's the team. Product that, it, he sounds more like a, and I'm not trying to say this isn't like a belittling standpoint because it's a very important role, but just to, to be distinctive, uh, project manager? Yeah. Project manager? Yeah, I've, I've had this conversation a lot. Um, we refer to him as the web PM, which, yeah, mostly we mean project management. The reason I like to think of it um, from a product manager standpoint is our website is a living, breathing machine uh, that supports a lot of masters and thus it has a lot of stakeholders and a lot of feature requests and a lot of roadmap concepts beyond just your basic like, hey, can you stand up this page? Or like, hey, can we make a color change? There's sort of broader, we need to launch this chat thing or this whatever, whatever. So we have these bigger things. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's really philosophical, honestly. It's, it's uh, pedantic, but um, I like thinking about it in terms of product cycles um, and thinking about not just sprint planning, but more like version release, like, when we get when we get to this level of version release, we'll we'll have this level of functionality, and it'll be this advanced. It'll help. We will solve this or that stakeholder problems. I don't know, but um, but no, yeah, I like it. No, I think it's important. I I I yes, a website is essentially a product in and of itself, especially when you're talking about the functionality that yours is. If you have all of this interactivity of features, of how somebody can come and experience your website, your brand, right? It, it can, mm -hmm. websites these days can function like an app. So, I mean, thinking about it like a product, I think is really cool. So lead into that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. It just takes some explaining sometimes because I agree, you're not the first person to be like, is that really, uh, is that really the right way? And I'm just like, well, yes and no. I mean, Whatever is easiest for people to associate, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's really cool the way you're thinking about it and um. And an interesting role to need on your team from, because I mean, web, the features that must come in for you across between marketing, marketing and product, is it marketing and product mostly making the requests or? Mostly it's, uh, it's more, mostly marketing and sales and then sometimes customer success. Yeah. Um, product, usually they're not asking things of us. It's more like we're asking things of them. <laughs> we're saying like, is this right? Did we get this wrong? And did we message this correctly? It's more that. Um, but yeah, typically more of the close, the closer you are to customers or prospects, the more you are coming to web and asking for things or asking for enablement or new web pages, stuff like that. So it sounds like you're in charge of functionality and ensuring that that functionality works in terms of user intent and intent being um how you basically get found from an seo perspective is that sort of a yeah i think that's fair yeah i mean we're um we have a number of mandates um the biggest mandate i think well there's sort of the two big ones of course which we already talked about are like one is you know growing non-brand sorry non-paid 
non-paid traffic and leads. Uh, but the other huge one, which I've sort of alluded to, is you know we are on the hook for that web attribution and data fidelity, which is is a tall task. I mean, uh, it's very easy for a a B two B you know hooking in all the way from a visit all the way to a Salesforce pipeline, like doing that, setting it up correctly, and then also monitoring and re um, resolving any sort of attribution outage becomes quite a big task. So I'd say those are our biggest. I think uh, areas of, of real, you know, resourcing. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, functionality stuff for sure. Most of our, the average users for us is still gonna be on desktop, but certainly mobile and there's different conversion points, different ways people like to talk to sales or talk to an expert or whatever they're trying to do. So yeah, there's a functionality component for sure. For anybody thinking about, you know, maybe you sparked some interest here of like, oh, maybe we need this in house. What sort of your, what sort of advice would you give to anybody who's thinking about building this web team, this SEO team in-house? What are, what are some of the things you learned that you would like to pass that knowledge on to? I wish I knew this 10 years ago sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's tough because of course, the first thing I want to say is like, obviously it depends on the company and, you know, the needs and there's so much there, but if I were to speak in the most vague, no, I'm just kidding, in the, in the most broad statements, uh, first and foremost, I would say I do not recommend a marketing generalist trying to hire an SEO specialist in-house. Um, that is very difficult to do well. It's very difficult to like we kind of find an SEO expert that's gonna hit the ground running on day one through a standard interview process. If you yourself have either little or no uh, mm -hmm. advanced knowledge of SEO, if, if all you can do is just speak really broadly about it, you might be better fit to either bring in an agency or what I'd recommend is, and I've done this before, I've been hired to do this, is hire a consultant to help you interview. I've done that. I've had people be like, hey, would you mind interviewing this candidate for me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Sure, it's an hour. You know, that's fine. Um, just like former people I've worked with in the past, like I probably wouldn't do that for anyone, but I've done it, you know, yeah. for, for former colleagues and a former manager of mine recently. Um, but yeah, I would not go in blind because it's, you know, it's an extremely uh, complicated subject matter. And there are, a lot, there are some really great people out there who are really good at it. And, you know, there are a lot of people that, are not and either whatever they, they either know a small portion of it really really well or maybe they just barely know it but they're sort of branding themselves so it, it's it can be easier if there's sort of a really well known if you know someone in your network that's like oh i can speak for this agency i know that they're legitimate you know that's always a safer starting point again but i'm speaking to the to these folks out there who might just be like a general marketing manager who knows yeah lots of stuff and they know a little bit of SEO and most, that's, I feel like that's most people. Most people have done a touch of it or they've optimized a blog once, but they couldn't begin to talk. So that's, that's one piece of broad ad advice I would offer. I think that's important because that, and I said this when we first met Luke, like I found this really unusual, very cool because like you don't really run into a lot of companies that have built a lot of their infrastructure around SEO. They know the importance of it, but but they haven't approached it this way. And so it sounds like the crux of it is because, which makes a ton of sense to me, um, 
the crux of it is you really need to have a marketing manager who has a very good foundation themselves of not just the importance of SEO. I think there's a lot of marketing managers out there who understand that SEO is important and we should all have it, but actually understands sort of the nuts and bolts of it. Not to the point where maybe they know how to do it, but enough that they understand how it works and um, some of the nuance of it, of like the difference between technical versus content, how Google algorithms sort of work, some some sort of like where you sit, you, you have, you were a practitioner and so, but you're able to pull up and really see the big picture of how all these things fit together. And so having, you know, if a marketing manager wants to do this thing, it sounds like having someone like you sitting in that seat as more of their first hire would be a great bridge to building the SEO function, but don't just hire an SEO expert is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, Again, I mean, it, it depends on your on your needs, but um, and what you're really needing up front is that consultant that can tell. I mean, first and foremost, right? Is I guess if I'm putting myself in the shoes of someone who's like, I'm trying to decide if I need to hire SEO in house. The first thing you really want to do is get a consultant to tell you if you need to do that. Like, you may not need to do it. It may be if you can find an impartial. <laughs> trusted consultant that'll just tell you honestly, yes or no. It may be that SEO is not necessarily the best growth channel for you. It may be the kind of thing you just want to like check the box, like just get it done, make sure you're doing your things right, make sure you're not hurting yourself and people can find you if they search your brand name, like all the basics. But it may be that outside of a, you know, annual or biannual audit and some cleanup and stuff like that, you may not need to spend the level of money and resourcing that someone like me does. Um, so I think that's another part is, is uh, yeah, that, that consult, but it can be hard to know because um, there's so much, there's so much out there just implying that SEO live is the best thing for everyone because it's free and it's the gift that keeps on giving. But yeah, I would caution that because I, I do think sometimes people get their expectations a little out of whack and, and it's sort of like, what did you expect? This, this isn't, you know, it's like, that's, yeah. this isn't even the major market for you guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing I'll just, it's just, it's tough hiring in this space. Um, I often compare it to, uh, so I love wine and I often love to compare it to wine. Like if you think about it, uh, you know, if you're at a nice restaurant, you want to order a nice bottle of wine. It's fun to talk to the sommelier if you are also very advanced in wine, right? Because they're going to go down a bunch of rabbit holes and talk about grape varieties in this region or that region or this vintage or that and use a lot of intense jargon. And the reality is for the average layman, it's extremely intimidating and they could be totally lying to you or they could be saying the smartest thing in the world. You're not going to know. It's just oh, going to yeah. sound intimidating. And that's kind of what it's like for the average marketing manager talking to an SEO practitioner is they're just going to feel overwhelmed. And ideally what you want is a bartender, right? You want that version, <laughs> someone who like, who knows it, but can speak to you in a way that's just like, you know, speak in plain, plain English and, and say things like here, you know, if they're doing this, generally speaking, that's a good sign. If they're saying things like this, generally speaking, that's a bad sign. This is, yeah. So uh, that's just another, <laughs> I, I, I remember feeling that way in the early days and um, I've had to do that for friends and call recent colleagues were like, I've audited candidates they were going to hire or agencies they were going to work with and, and have had to candidly be like, uh, this person is kind of lying to you. Like they don't really know what they're, what they're talking about, but I can understand how you wouldn't know that. So. Yeah. 
it is, it is chock full of its own lingo and nuance and um there's definitely approaches that they don't call it black hat seo for nothing like right <laughs> right that too so, yeah i totally i love this idea of like if you regardless of how you want to do seo if you know that it's as seo is important finding a consultant to start with is a great is a great idea to initially set the set the strategy of how you're even going to approach this thing because it's huge mm-hmm True. Yeah. There's no playbook. There's no just like, Oh, you always should do this. It's like, not necessarily. I mean, it really depends on, you know, you really do want to have that strategy conversation first. Oh, so helpful. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for coming on and for sharing your journey with us and how you have set up your team and how you approach SEO. I think it's so unique and so cool. And it was so lovely to meet you. Um, before I close out, I do have my people first questions. If you're if you're ready to pull back. Oh, sure. Questions. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. Uh, have you picked up any new hobbies in the last two years, given the pandemic and uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> change of life here? Yes, big time. Um, I can't say it's a totally new hobby, but it, for all intents and purposes, it is. I, I've always mildly liked chess. Hmm. Um, but somewhere over the course of the pandemic, I got really into chess, like nerd, like crazy intense chess level. Um, so yeah, I uh, just fell in love with it and play. I try to play a couple games online. I even created our, I was the founding member of the chess Slack channel at my, at my day job, That's and awesome. which has become a very active, a very active community of people playing each other online. Oh, um, yeah. So yeah, that's my, no question. I play play more chess now than I probably should. No, it's good. It's good. It's good brain work for sure. Yes. Um, yes. Awesome. I haven't heard that answer yet either, which is cool. Um, if you could be with your team in person, or maybe you have been, or maybe you're looking to be in the near mm-hmm. future, what song would you want playing over had to set the tone of and the vibe of the gathering? <laughs> oh yeah, I know what it'd be. It would be. Um... It would be what's the most bye 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 by NSYNC um, <laughs> yes. because I did a team meetup. We're well, not sorry, a team like we do a weekly team web uh, call, and I was making them do icebreakers, and the icebreaker was like album you're most ashamed to have waited in line to buy for something like back when we actually used to buy CDs, and one of them said like whatever the name no strings attached by NSYNC he was joking about how like ashamed he was of how big of an NSYNC fan or something <laughs> and so I changed the background image of our weekly doc to be like a photo like the NSYNC album cover and I've been really pushing that joke so I would love to even further belittle the joke by having that song playing at our first outing yeah yeah that's definitely it that is fantastic. And it'll be on our Spotify, so you can check it out and uh, sing along. <laughs> um, maybe yeah. they, maybe the, uh, the dance will come back to you. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> last question for you, Luke. If you could travel to anywhere in the world, maybe you're thinking about it, maybe you've done it. If, if you could travel right now mm. without any red tape, where would you go and why? Mm. The without any red tape is a really good caveat because I always caveat things to logistics and how far of a <laughs> flight it would be um I'm gonna say it's gonna be France I'm gonna go I think it's got to be the Bordeaux region of France that's my favorite wine 
by far. Um, yeah, I've got to do it. I've got to go to Bordeaux. So yeah, that's on my list. Hopefully in the next, certainly next year. Awesome. Well, I'll have to get, I live next to France and I have certainly yeah. a wine collection at my fingertips. So I'm going to have to get some tips and tricks from you on, uh, on what to start checking out because I keep going to my, my go-to red cab and I, I, uh-huh. I need to broaden my horizons here. Bordeaux cab. It's a cab blend. So yeah, Bordeaux a safe, safe iteration. I'll check it out. Well, Luke, so good. Thank you so much. It was, this was awesome. Thank you as well, Kara. I enjoyed it. It was fun. That was my conversation with Luke Richardson. If you'd like to connect with Luke, you can find him on LinkedIn. The link is in the show notes. Thank you for joining me, Luke. So good to meet you and to have this conversation. I really appreciate it. And thank you for tuning into the first episode of season 12. In the next episode, I chat with Sienna Dixon, where we discuss the power of gamification. Stay on and the autoplay will take you there. This episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, a digital marketing agency that helps cybersecurity and data management brands get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG, music mix and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketing.com to apply.